0: And here are your authors:
1: Chris Allen and Adam Wildy. Or if I thought somebody on film had uh, short area quickness, like you mentioned, I want to see that at the combine in the uh, three cone. I want to see that in the forty at the combine. Um, Secondly, the combine matters because the NFL thinks it matters. The NFL thinks the combine matters a lot more than the combine actually matters, as has been proven by people in the industry. Um, you're know, you going to see a lot of people putting their databases out. You're going to see a lot of people that have uh, been really grinding the tape. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily going to be indicative of what the NFL sees because the NFL values the combine too much. But what you're going to hear a lot today is that I think it's really round three and up for running backs where you're going to get a very, very long leash. So where the combine might not be exactly indicative of a running back's success, the combine is indicative of the running back's draft position and not just running backs. John Ross had no business going in the top ten if he didn't break the 40 record. It just happens.
2: Now, now that it's Henry Ruggs, but that's a totally different argument. Yeah, Henry Ruggs, I think Henry Ruggs day, is, yeah. is going to break day. it,
1: too. So the NFL cares about the combine. So that's the two things that you take away from the combine. If you can validate the film, okay, I feel really good about my process because the combine matched the film. Just because the combine doesn't match the film doesn't necessarily mean that you wasted all your time either. But it is nice if it can validate your notes. And then also if somebody shreds the combine, they definitely increase their draft stock, whether it's right or wrong.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with, I mean, both of you guys' process, I think, is spot on. And I think from uh, the folks that, you know, we normally talk to, the folks that we normally, like, get into Dynasty conversations with, uh, I think that would, they would probably echo those similar thoughts. Adam, I think when we wound up uh, having a discussion with the uh, the Dynasty nerds, or no, Dynasty dummies, like, last, uh, last year, right uh, you know, so shout out to Zach Reed and Kyle, uh, I think we wound up having a similar discussion where it's, I mean, the NFL definitely does tend to overweight the combine and the metrics and like all of the stuff that comes out of it. But if the NFL, I mean, if they're the ones that are overweighting it, we have to follow suit. Unfortunately. I mean, because if the NFL overweights it, that means they're going to get drafted high. And because they're drafted high, that's going to lead them into just a ton of opportunity. I mean, unless they're Mm -hmm. injured, rest in peace, John Ross. But, I mean, that's that's kind of where all of that stuff comes. And opportunity, for the most part, is king. And that's what drives a lot of the stats sure. that, like, generate points for our team. So it's just we have to follow the culture, right? I right. mean, if we had it our way, we would point to the things that, I mean, we would deem to be important from, like, from college, even into, like, you know, down into the, you know, if you want to get into the running back replaceability argument, like, we see how things should be at least how things should be optimally run from our standpoint, but because the NFL weighs things as it does, we're kind mm-hmm. of stuck in the situation that we are where you have to value some of these guys that while well, the college production might not match what we're seeing, but because the NFL values them that way, I mean, we just, we have to match those expectations and then follow suit regardless of how much we might love a player or not. I mean, I know for a fact, at least for at least for me personally, I don't know if it's the same for you, Derek. But Justice Hill coming out last year, he was like my guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. really want to see a ton of him like this past season. But I mean, when you go out and you pay a lot for a running back from New Orleans, and he winds up, you know, playing well, and even his backup, who we didn't really have like a ton of, you know, ton yeah. of love for. I mean, you know, it's the situations they work out as they are. Yeah. So it's just it's hard to buy into you know, trying to overhype players because draft capital kind of, it just, it speaks for how much we can actually expect to see, like, some of these players get on the field. And I think it's, and this might, I could be wrong in saying this, but I almost feel like this is, it's more, I guess, it's more impactful for for running backs than it would be for wide receivers because wide receivers, I mean, their track record and their, I guess, their developmental curve is is much longer, whereas running backs, your window is shorter, man. Very. I mean, it's so much shorter that, I mean, you've got, basically your rookie contract to show something without it. I mean, you really don't have much recourse in terms of how long you'll stay in the league past that. So really you only got probably two or three
1: years. And even if, even if you do manage to get a second contract, it usually doesn't pan out well, but essentially that whole uh, segment leads to, for the coders out there, it's just a series of if then statements. So Mm -hmm. If you did well at the combine, then the NFL drafts you early. If the NFL drafts you early, then you have a long leash. If you have a long leash, you get more opportunity. And if you get more opportunity, that's more chances for you to succeed. So that's where I stand on the combine. Now let's talk about the rookie draft just a little bit. So we've got this tier break. I think it's at 108 in superflex. Uh, that's because I like Jalen Regor Um, But you are going to get to a point in these drafts where you're sort of towards the second round and there's still some very valuable guys there. And you're going to have to decide, you know, maybe team needs um, or you're just going to have to decide who – this is what I do. I never draft for team needs. You're going to decide who you think can be the most valuable next year. For example, I thought Nikhil Harry was the best prospect in the draft last year, but I had Josh Jacobs as my one one because I believe that Josh Jacobs had a better chance of having a way, way higher uh, ADP and more value than Nikhil Harry. turns out that's just what happens with rookie running backs. So, Derek, how do you kind of decide between – sending in on one of these running backs or taking a quarterback or a wide receiver in this draft class?
2: Uh, are we talking about format specific, like superflex versus one or yeah. just in
1: general? Uh, you know what? Let's say superflex because you are going to have those guys like Love at the end of the first that you're going to have to decide between that or a running back or a wide receiver. So I,
2: I think with the quarterbacks, if they have decent draft capital, I think that they're probably the safest – picks in a lot of different instances. Like if it's a guy that's drafted in the first like two rounds, um, especially your round one picks, like even if you don't love the guy, like Jordan Love, even if you don't like this guy, if he goes at the end of the first round, he's going to get opportunity Mm -hmm. and he's going to get a chance. Now, whether that's this year or next year, he's going to eventually get a chance and his value is going to go up, especially in a format like Superflex. So if you're going for the steady pick and like what I think in, in that format is going to gain value as opposed to a higher volatility position like a running back or, or a wide receiver, then as far as a value gain and, and the draft capital and first and second round picks is tied to it, your quarterback is, is where you go. Now if you're talking about team needs and you're talking about what is the fastest payoff um, if draft capital is, is all level, if that's all even keel and we're just talking about opportunity, I'm probably going to lean to the running backs. If draft capital is not a factor, if we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, a first round wide receiver versus even a second round running back, cause I feel like those mm-hmm. are pretty equitable things. Um, I feel like wide receivers need a little bit higher capital, Um, to get those early opportunities, whereas a third-round running back, I feel like, can get the snaps and opportunities over than, say, a second-round wide receiver. Like, you're not going to see a third-round wide receiver garner a lot of different times the same opportunities and path to volume that, say, an early third-round running back does. Sure. You know, so in that instance, a draft capital is not a factor. I'm probably going to lean to a running back because Mm -hmm. the fact is that... If we're not factoring in draft capital, if we're looking at who is the earliest payoff, mm-hmm. if we're following the NFL model, they're going with young guys. They're going with fresh legs. They're going with, and we talked about this before the we turned the mics on, that if you are even looking at, like, say a guy even blows up, a first-year wide receiver, the career arc is longer, and people are talking mm-hmm. about, like, I wouldn't buy this guy even though he blew up and he's so expensive. Okay, that's fine, but are you justifying the cost of buying high if you get six years out of the guy versus two to three years out of a running back? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the hell with that. Like, give me the running back in a lot of instances and I'll follow the NFL model. I'll take the young guy with the opportunity, the fresh legs, that is going to gain opportunity and and value a lot of times in that first year, in many instances, over a wide receiver, and I'll mm-hmm. just use that to buy a wide receiver in his second year. That's that's yep. the move I'm making in a lot of different instances because if it's a running back that has an easy, clear path to opportunity, like say like Josh Jacobs, right? Like yeah. he's getting a lot of love right now. Could you not flip him for all the love that he's getting? And they, they just re-signed Jalen Rashard. Mm-hmm. Is Derrick Henry not a guy that's like people are down on versus volume versus everything. And Could you flip Jacobs for Henry plus right now? Is that a move? Do you think you could do in in dynasty close?
1: I don't know. I think that would be close, but what I would be trying to do with either of them is kind of take advantage of the market and, Go back to your notes and look at these wide receivers that you might want to take and get a King's Ransom on top of them. Some of the guys like Nikhil Harry and Christian Kirk would be considered throw-ins on top of whatever you have to send for Josh Jacobs. I mean, if you took Josh Jacobs at 101 last year, you could realistically ask for Nikhil Harry in the 111 or the 110 for Josh Jacobs. And you got the prospect that you wanted to take last year, but you didn't because you knew that in a year, Nikhil Harry was going to struggle to get the – the Patriots playbook and me and Chris talk about that all the time. It's a difficult organization and we really, really need to start uh, uh, buying into that because it's really hard. We, we can't put a number on that. You can't quantify how difficult the Patriots organization is, but realistically he's a human being and it is a very difficult organization. It's very hard to come in and run option routes day one with the best quarterback of all time, arguably. And, you took Josh Jacobs 101 because you were smart and now you have Nikhil Harry and you're back in the twenty twenty draft. Well, so, you know, maybe you have the one oh four and the one ten and Nikhil Harry this year because of that.
2: Because yeah, y'all made me go down the rabbit hole of first round ADPs before we got on the on the mics tonight. Um I, I just I feel like in a lot of different instances, you're gonna see wide receivers after that first year, they're not going to retain the same pick value that a running back is. If you look at last
1: year's
2: year's first round, A.J. Brown went at the 105. Mm -hmm, D.K. Metcalf went at the 106. Could you not, not A.J. Brown, but like D.K. Metcalf, do you know anybody that's like, could you deal the 106 or in the midst of draft hype? No. Could you get D.K. Metcalf just for the 106, or are
1: you going to get D.K. Metcalf Plus? You will get D.K. Metcalf Plus. That's uh, Exactly. That's D.K. Dobbins for uh, D.K. Plus. uh, uh,
2: Paris Campbell went at the 108. Uh Arsenio Whiteside went at the 109. Like right. those dudes, yeah. you are getting mass equity on top of that. As opposed to like uh, Debo is about probably he's the benchmark. So yeah. right now he went at the 110. Well, you and can probably, Brown. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, those guys are worth that late first. Like not I, I Marquise Brown is probably I, I don't know where he went. I, I didn't look outside of the first round. 11 Um, and
1: 12, usually 11, 12, 201. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I think Debo going at the 110 and is about right. But look at these other wide receivers we're talking about two, three of these other wide receivers that were high first round, mid first round picks. Like, you're getting them plus a ton ton. on top of that.
1: Ask for Andy Isabella and see if, like, that's not just the throw in. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Andy Isabella was drafted late first, early second. If you have Josh Jacobs and you want Andy Isabella, you're getting a primary contributor with Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella now, after being drafted 112 last year, <laughs> is the guy that you're like, hey man, it's close. Could you just throw this guy in? Yeah. How ridiculous is that for wide that receivers that hype was and real, and,
2: baby. Oh yeah, so my God, just, it's so and that real. Was,
1: that was combine oriented, uh oriented also. But it's just that's that's what happens with wide receivers, and we're seeing very, very smart people on Twitter. Uh, analyze these trends and it's just just take over the market and you mm-hmm. take these running backs now you had josh jacobs miles sanders david montgomery last year mm-hmm. they are still valuable pieces i wish david montgomery did more i believe in david montgomery but he still held value because he was a third round or higher running back people are still interested in daryl henderson because todd mm-hmm. Gurley might get traded which yeah. will be impossible I into that yeah, Good it'll gosh. be impossible. And I did not believe in that either, but people are still interested. That's my point. He yeah. has done nothing, and people are still interested. Mm-hmm. Andy Isabella has done nothing and he is a throw-in. Hakeem Butler has done nothing. He was the 103 for some people, including myself and Chris, or 104. Yeah, I mean, and, we were pretty high. Mm-hmm.
2: And <laughs> shout out to Rojo, before. baby. Shout out to Rojo. <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, and you know, sometimes it goes the other way too. But I'm just saying these running backs hold value so much, and even if you don't believe in them, you still draft them and you trade them the next year and you're still mm-hmm. going to get value yeah. yeah yeah it's fair
0: yeah i think and with and with each of those i mean if uh the situation i think the only time the situation changes since we had oriented this conversation just around superflex so for one qb and we had this conversation before that like that kind of breakpoint for where it's like okay the, we've got quarterbacks in the mix that might retain some value if it's one quarterback that breakpoint might shift to be a little bit earlier you so were right the right you might be around like the one hundred five, one hundred six, and I think the mm-hmm. example that I used when we were talking about it was like maybe shortly after Miles Sanders. So like Miles mm-hmm. Sanders was like your one hundred five, like last like last season. After at the one hundred six, I'd probably be looking to move back. But other than yeah. that, I think everything else is just it, is completely spot on. I yeah. mean those. I mean there's so much value to be had, especially after some of these uh, these players and their one year. Like in that one-year dip, I mean, because unless, again, like you pointed out, Derek, unless it's a wide receiver that just has this massive draft capital, walks right into the right situation, and they're just, I mean, peppered with targets. So we're thinking out of last year's class, it's pretty much A.J. Brown and it's D.K. Metcalf. Like, those are pretty much the only guys that we could really think that they're ascending, like after their rookie season. But everybody else, it's just like you can pro- you could, I mean, they're essentially throw-ins now. Nikhil Harry, mm-hmm. throw-in. Andy Isabella, throw-in. J.J.R. Sega Whiteside, throw in, Hakeem, but I mean, all those guys are now essentially just like guys that if you want to try and move or like you want to pick up another like significant contributor, those other guys mm-hmm. are just pieces that you can throw in for nothing. Mm-hmm. But yet the upside is still there with most of them. I mean... It, even for I mean even for Butler to be quite honest with you because with his he much, was injured yeah I mean but it, for as much capital as Arizona sunk into the wide receiver position last season it's less likely that they're going to continue to do the same thing here this year so he's going to have sure. just another shot to at least up his value.
2: Well, and I think I think the other side of with Butler is still relevant in that he's still possesses a different skill set than any other guy on that roster yeah he's I right i think that that is <laughs> the mm-hmm. fact that 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 will get lost quite easily that i'm not a H- hakeem butler guy like i just right.
0: but the he's case never made, he's right.
2: not a guy that just flashed for me i he's not a guy that guy i could ever talk myself into mm-hmm. but is he a different guy that breaks the mold of every other guy on that roster right, right. yes absolutely so can he be used in a specific manner or I mean, carve himself out a niche that nobody else possesses on there because of his skill set? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right,
0: right. And that's what you want to look for. Like, you at least want to be able to tell yourself yeah. a story yeah. as to how their value can raise, like, from the point where they're at right now, which for most of them, most of those later first round guys is essentially zero. But is there a path for them to get more, like, to increase their target volume, to increase their output on the field? I think in most of those cases, yes. I can see I can see a story where even like J.J.R. Or White Whiteside, like even he, like his value starts to come up next season. I mean, there there's paths to each of them. But right now, with their value being pretty much at the bottom of the barrel, why not try and pick them up on the cheap and then see what happens like in twenty twenty? I think that'd be the best move for a lot of folks.
2: Well, especially guys that you believe in, especially yeah. guys that oh, you yeah. watched and, and- You missed out on your rookie drafts. You're like, dude, I didn't have a first. Or, you know, I got sniped. He he went Mm -hmm. at the 108. I had the 110. Yeah. You know, could you pick him up for pennies and gain the equity now? You know, guys that you really, you might have missed your shot, but now you can get him plus. Right. So, I mean, you're still winning. Like, that's a great buy low. Like, Mm -hmm. all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Interesting aside with the Arizona Cardinals, you know, hashtag shower thoughts. This is what I've been thinking about a lot. I think Cliff had the right idea when he got into the NFL and he realized he was going to bring the college system to the NFL and try to run five wide, which is very difficult to do at the NFL level. He thought that he was going to draft four wide receivers and he was going to utilize them year one. What he didn't realize is how difficult it is for a rookie wide receiver to succeed in year one. So he ended up drafting Keyshawn Johnson, Hakeem Butler, uh, Andy Isabella, And he didn't get to utilize any of them because none of them were ready to produce in year one. So he ends up going and grabbing like guys like Bryce Butler because you needed veterans to run your system. So the thing with those three guys, specifically Butler, Johnson, and Isabella, is whatever you thought they were going to do last year or whatever you thought they were going to do with their career – technically they still have the exact same opportunity to do that. They just weren't ready because most rookie wide receivers are not ready in year one. So if you wanted to buy into those guys, and I just got in a conversation the other day with somebody who was just really, really upset with me for not believing in Andy Isabella. I said, look, I liked him last year and he's probably going to do whatever he's was going to do. But mm-hmm. the problem is he wasn't ready to do that. You don't just, you know, you tried to acquire positions uh as cheaply as possible right you want production as cheap as possible Whole goal of the nfl Yeah, what it boils down to is most production for the less least amount of money you can't do that at wide receiver and that's why we're talking running backs today because we want cheap production and that's what running backs give you wide receivers do not give you that so if you wanted to buy into the arizona offense you could buy all three of those wide receivers I, they're all different they all had different draft capital whatever you thought they were going to do though probably still what they're going to do if they're going to do it right
2: well and and to your point wildy i i I like that a whole whole lot i I think um to expand on that just a little bit uh before we move on um that cliff tried to go the four wide and then he either realized these guys aren't ready or maybe our just wide receivers aren't good enough to do this yeah and he's oh my god he flipped the script if you look at like the first few weeks versus the end of the rest the rest of the season he went from four to three, and that's just what happened, man. And then we kept, like, chasing it every week, In especially in DFS. We kept chasing that every week, like, who's this other Cardinals wide receiver that's going to be the cheap men guy that you sure. can just, like, blow up or is going to be the buy guy in Dynasty that ascends, and nobody took the mantle. So if you believed in Isabella and you believed in these guys, I love that point about go out and get them for cheaper now that those narratives are not totally dead. Like, mm-hmm. those those things can happen. Um, to your point, I'm not an Andy Isabella guy. Like, right. I just... I think that it says something to an effect that it, it as much as people want to hype him, that um, sometimes it just, he ain't that dude. And, like, it, it, if the coach, like, just, like, buries him in year one, unless something is totally different, like, could Andy Isabella be the, like, yeah, you know, the next John Ross needs a different coach to sit here and see opportunity. Fine. You know, I just I, – he was never a guy I was super, super – I never bought the hype, man. Even, like, all of last season, people are like, all right, the Indy Isabella week is coming, baby. Like, there's injuries. It's happening. Yeah. And then it never happens. I well, think there's a certain amount of context to that. But if you were an Isabella truther and you're that guy, mm-hmm. go get him for pennies. Get him as a throw-in because the that's thing what you that, can get him right now.
1: The thing that's sad for Andy, Andy Isabella truthers is that the only thing separating him from being a late fourth-round rookie pick value is one 90-yard touchdown reception or whatever. Yeah, if you liked Andy Isabella, that was like ever. the worst thing that could have ever happened yeah. if you wanted to find Andy Isabella this year because he could have been – almost a waiver wire ad guaranteed if he did not have that one reception and now he at least calls something.
2: You're like, dude, stop doing stuff with your 7% snaps. Right. Right. Stop. Like either kill your value or give yourself more value. Like just stop. Like I'd rather you not have a heartbeat right now. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think the uh, another aspect I guess to think about is like for, especially for some of those I think in every case that we just discussed. So for those later first round guys, so whether it's whether it's Andy, whether it's uh, whether it's JJ, whether it's Nikhil. I mean, for the most part, I mean, you're not just buying, you're buying the player, right? Because you're buying the player, what we perceive their skill set to be, and also the fact that there's, like, almost no risk involved in, in trying to pick them up right now. Right. But we're also buying, like, their situation. I mean, in each of those three that we just talked about, I mean, they're attached to pass-friendly offenses with decent, I mean, with good uh, good to decent quarterbacks. I mean, we'll see about, like, you know, whether or not Tom Brady is really washed or not, especially if he's still going to mm. be there or not. Right. I still think he is. But either way, I mean, there's there's something to be said about not just buying the player, but also their situation. If we believe their situation is going to improve and they're attached to a decent quarterback and for the case for all three, they're attached to good quarterbacks. Then now you're part of a system that's going to be, I mean, very fantasy friendly. I mean, you're almost going to see the positive impacts of that almost immediately if their skills wind up becoming the requisite that they need in order to get on the field, passing that you know, 10% snap share and getting that requisite volume to actually start contributing. You'll see that immediately. It wouldn't be, this, it'd be different if they played for, let's say, I don't know, like if it was a wide receiver that played for Buffalo, you know, like where mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a completely different situation there. But for each of those guys, it's like, all right, well, all we need them to do is just improve at their job. And then the, the, everything else should take care of itself because the situation that they're in lends itself to them being fantasy relevant regardless. So I think for each of them, I, I would be heavily trying to invest in them if at all possible. I mean, sure. in, right now, given the low risk.
2: The sharp side of what you just said too that I want to just uh, expand on just for a second is that you buy the secondary weapons of ascending players, like ascending mm-hmm. quarterbacks, because if you believe the quarterback is going to ascend, so you look at the market for, for good quarterbacks and you say, mm-hmm. all right, who is this good dude going to take with him if he goes up. Yeah. So, like, you buy into you, – you look at the quarterbacks first and you buy the ascending pieces around him. Like, yeah. wh- whoever you believe in, whether that's Kyler and we're talking about the Cardinals or
0: – Carson, is, Tom. Brian, or, anyway, or, or,
2: yeah. or, or if it's Daniel Jones and you're talking right. about Darius Slayton and you right. believe in that. You know, mm-hmm. like, by the ascension and by the spare parts because if the injuries happen, the spare parts in that offense goes up. It, I mean, it rises all tides. The, the, that is true. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for like, I would say for actually all three of those offenses, we've seen Carson Wentz carry more than one receiver slash pass catcher. I mean, because we just watched him carry two tight ends to be two top 12 tight ends. That's just this past season. I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, that obviously already speaks to it, speaks for itself. And then Kyler. I mean, the guy just got I mean, you know, was it offensive rookie of the year? Was that that? Yeah, he got. Yeah. So either way, I mean good offenses, yeah. good situations. Yeah. So for each of those, I mean, I would highly, I mean, for those specific guys, but I think the process in and of itself in looking at their situation and understanding that if they're able to move forward, like progress at their, at the wide receiver <coughs> position, then they can continue moving. So, I mean, we talked about early guys, uh, but let's talk about some, some late round guys. I mean, just the, the process behind that, because last year, I guess when it came to running backs, we already talked about like Dave Montgomery and like guys like that, but then we talked about i mean or the the draft community was pretty hyped about dexter williams, I mean justice Hill, I mean Darwin Thompson continued to get buzzed all the way up and through like up and through the super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never really got to see the light of day i mean i mean but for me as the Damien Williams truther, I'm kind of okay with that, but i mean for for those guys, I mean, how do you look at evaluating some of those guys that we know are going to fall later into our rookie draft, so we're talking. Mid, to, you know, mid second, even into the third round. I mean, how are you looking at those guys?
2: So with those guys, they're the entire reason why you you kind of hold on to or even culminate some of those fourth and fifth round picks. Um, they're why you mind the waiver wire because mm-hmm. if you have the bench space, if you have the roster space to uh, collect these spare parts on your taxi squad, dude. If one of these guys hits like mid-season, that's yes. where you, you you gain the value because the fifth-round running back or the UDFA that like gets the opportunity down the stretch run, unless you are going and gunning for a title, <laughs> that's where you flip him. You mm-hmm. flip him for the equity. You flip him for a second in season when a dude's not like, all right, I don't give a crap about the pick. I care about winning the championship, mm-hmm. and you flip him for the pick right then because the next year he could easily get inserted. So do you take the shots on those guys and try to like litter your taxi squad? I love littering my taxi squads with running back dart throws. Mm -hmm. I think they're the greatest thing to sit here and have at the bottom end of your dynasty squad, because all of these guys, if we talk about dear God in heaven, I will not go down the rabbit hole of running back. Doesn't matter. I I'm not having that conversation, but if we talk about injuries And Mm. guys having week to week value or multi-week value. If Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones go out, Mm -hmm. is there a scenario where Dexter Williams could have had a 20-touch like spurt in the season? Easily. You can see the path. It is there. Or Deion Lewis, like all these guys, they're dirt freaking cheap. Now we're talking about rookies and stuff like that. Mm There are reasons why guys that <laughs> do not fit the mold like Gus Bus, like yeah. what he did down the stretch. Yep. The dude was oh, the yeah. nastiest RB2 oh, yeah. you could have. He was still an RB2. Mm-hmm. And you could have sold him for, say, even a late second, a third. Get mm-hmm. something out of that, and you, you're churning value into your dynasty roster. That's what you're constantly doing. Unless you need that dude – to win and push for a title right then, mm-hmm. sell him because if the draft capital is not behind him, the fact of it is, is all these stretch run UDFA guys, the year after year replaceability of them is so huge right. and they do not, they could ball out. How many of these stretch run guys have we seen ball out year after year and then people are like, ah like they put their depends on and they just crap themselves the next year over them in redraft, especially they're just loving them. They're just like, I gotta have him. And who, who was it? Um, Alex Collins. And you're just like, come on, man. Like him, CJ Anderson. And, and dear God, be still my waking heart because finally, finally he hit. But Kenyon Drake, like these guys that, that killed it down the stretch run, that you picked up for pennies off of the waiver wire, the fourth and fifth round rookie picks that you could have flipped for equity that then the next year they get hyped and they fall straight on their face. Like, flip that for value. It doesn't have to be hard, people.
1: God, I love having you on, Derek. You get me so hyped up, man. Before I will go down that rabbit hole, (laughs) my God. I just want to expand on the point. If you have picks that don't matter to you or picks that – I shouldn't say don't matter to you. Every pick matters. But picks that you do not need to use right now. Mm-hmm. Which anything after the first, really it's hard to get a pick in the first that will matter right now. If you're not drafting an early running back, uh, you're, it's probably not going to help you right now. Picks in the second round or later, I love to take handcuff running backs to bell cow running backs. Yep. Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard. Would love to have on my roster. And anytime there's even an inkling of something wrong with Zeke or something wrong with Dalvin Cook, Mm -hmm. check in on that owner. Just, you know, hey, do you want the handcuff? And you're going to get way, way more for them than you should have ever gotten. And then now you're in the 2020 draft and now you're getting valuable picks there because it's deeper. You know, every, every draft might be deeper, might not be deeper. Some people declare, some people don't. But if you drafted Alex Collins late in the second last year, or sorry, not Alex Collins, Alexander Madison late in the second last year, uh-huh. this year you sell him for something valuable because Dalvin Cook got hurt and Alexander Madison was actually good and Tony Pollard was actually good and Tony Pollard was actually more efficient than Ezekiel Elliott and how insane. I mean, you don't, you're right. You don't need to have the argument there because anybody that's smart knows that Tony Pollard would have. The record would have been the same for the Dallas Cowboys, whether Tony Pollard started, whether Ezekiel Elliott started. So they just burnt – they put $96 million on fire. That's exactly what happened when they gave Zeke Elliott the contract. I mean, Tony Pollard would have done just as well. But let's pretend that it's an organization that does make sense and doesn't have Jerry Jones at the helm. They let Zeke walk, and Tony Pollard just walked right into the most valuable bell cow role in the entire NFL. So you drafted him in the third round. The Cowboys were actually intelligent and actually didn't want to lay all their money and all their cap space on fire. And now you basically hit the lottery in terms of dynasty. That's what I want to do with my later picks. This is why running backs are just so valuable in the rookie draft. You can always trade for a running, a wide receiver cheap guys. We talked about earlier, uh, Yes, A.J. Green's old. Could he also have a Jerry Rice career? Who knows when, Jerry, when Joe Burrows comes in. Um, T.Y. Hilton, yes, T.Y. Hilton's old. Let's say that they get a newer, new quarterback that's not Phillip Rivers. That is a, actually an upgrade to Burset. T.Y. Hilton can have a resurgence. These wide receivers are always cheap. Alshon Jeffrey we were talking about earlier for guys that have games that can, uh, can age well <laughs> – Jeffrey already played like an old man. He just kind of posts you up. And so, yeah, his game might age well too. Cause has he ever really got separation? No, not really. He wasn't ever separating from anybody. So he's cheap too. But you will never, ever find better running back production than in the rookie draft. I hope people don't lose. I don't lose people on this uh, kind of comparison, but I'm a very, big stickler for shopping and when when i go shopping for let's say toilet paper you look at the unit price that's what i care about is the <laughs> unit price right you took it there you took it there so you're looking yeah. at the unit price i'm getting the most out of the least amount of money with these running backs the unit price on running backs is better than any other position i'm gonna get the most out of my ten dollars by buying running packs in the rookie draft than you will at any other position super or not to be honest with you
2: Wildy, I can't believe you went straight poo paper, man. Yeah, I he did. I just, he took you it there. Damn. Ooh, well, wow. Went there. Went there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. that's all right. But uh, I think um, just to, to, to hammer on the point, like if um, I think the perfect guy that just as Wildy's kind of expanding on all of this, that just jumps to mind that you could have sold down the stretch um, for a guy that's in the same offense. But you could have sold in on the stretch because of injuries and opportunity where did you get Boston Scott in the stretch run? <laughs> Off the waiver wire, baby. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. in championship weeks, weeks 14 through 16, down the stretch run, could yep. you have sold him for a pick that's more valuable than the waiver wire?
1: And nothing, yes. 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 I mean,
2: and is he going to carry a lot of value next year? Uh, some
1: people hope so. Well, is that, maybe.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> not as much as probably the pick you got down the stretch right. run. I'll say that. right.
1: Yeah, he may never touch the ball again, and because of something very uneventful happening, he was worth a pick. That's just why you take these rookie running backs, that's why you say you litter the taxi squad with these guys. Because Darwin Thompson will probably, I'm sorry to break so many people's hearts, but he will probably never do anything. And sure. he was so valuable to people, and I think he's a quality running back too. But yeah. honestly, what does a quality running back matter anymore? I hate to say it. I, I think it's you're talented if you're a running back, sure. But your offensive line matters so much. Your quarterback matters. Your coach matters. Wide receivers, you, you could just go out and ball. So let's jump into the rookies real quick before we get too deep into it, Derek. I want to know, since you're the guest, we'll go off your top five, and it'll probably be pretty similar to ours. Let's hear your top five, and then we'll talk about those guys a little bit, the top five rookies going into next year.
2: So right now I've really got a tear break. Um mm-hmm. I I'm not so like I need draft capital tied to these guys to be like okay this is and I know people are already posturing on Twitter because dear god it's February and that's what people <laughs> yeah, got to do. Dude. They got to they got to draw their lines in the sand. They got to get their spot thing. They got to dig their hole to crap in but whatever man like I just uh uh-uh. uh um, I'm not willing to tie like and be like this is my RB one like it's I'm not there yet in February. Um, I need draft capital tied to these guys, but it is my first tier of players that after watching like I said three four games and really kind of diving into some of these players for me the top tier of my top three right now is Jonathan Taylor, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And Cam Akers, man. That's my top three, dude. And people are going to sit there wow. and see hear that and be like, wait a minute. You're telling me that the consensus 101, 102 right now, DeAndre Swift is not your top three. And I I'm, dude, I'm not trashing the guy. I think he is a good running back. Like, I've I've been on here. Like anybody that has ever followed me on Twitter knows, like, that I the closest, and I'm not a huge comp guy, but but I feel like At least in some traits, in some like tiny boxes, there are comparables for skill sets. And when I watch DeAndre Swift run, the dude reminds me so much of freaking 2019 Kenyon Drake. Like, I like him. And for people that might, they might think that's a slight dude. I think he's a slasher. I think Mm -hmm. that he is very good at what he does. He plants his foot, he goes, he has second level burst. I like him as a player. Do I like him as the one-on-one? I I I just there are a lot of things about him that when you look at the you watch the film and he gets to the second level, the dude's not breaking a lot of tackles. Is he making a lot of guys miss? Sure. Is he pushing the pile? No. So in a lot of ways like I have Swift lower than a lot of other people because I feel like there are a lot of ways that I feel like he is more landing spot dependent. Then maybe mm-hmm. some people are going to give him credence based off of his skill set. Whereas these other three guys that I have in my top tier, I don't, I feel like they have a better skill set to create on their own than somebody like DeAndre Swift. And so Swift is my, in my second tier, the guy that rounds out that second tier right now is J.K. Dobbins. So that's my top five. My top three are pretty solid right now but nice. I feel like there's a tier break between my top three and then four and five and then there's a bunch of other dudes below the top five
1: so I'll give you that on on DeAndre Swift and I'm I'm at beat DeAndre Swift 101 and uh, Jonathan Taylor 102 we had Curtis Patrick on a couple weeks back and he really was talking up Jonathan Taylor a lot I will give you I like that him. Doesn't seem like Swift is creating a ton on his own. He's on a good team. If you're looking for like your grinder, it's Jonathan Taylor, that that all around running back that's going to create yards on his own. I agree, that is Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think Swift uh, is more. He's more well rounded. I think he is more. I don't pro, see it, and I see him as more of a pro ready running back. It. And here, here's another thing that I like to do right now is just look at mat, uh, mock drafts from notable guys and if deandre swift is going to be the first running back off the board he's probably going to end up being the first running back off the board for me because pretty much what you've probably gathered from me from this show and pretty much any other show is i really don't care how good the running back is after a certain point because like i said it's eventually going to be the offensive line it's going to be the quarterback it's going to be the coach it's going to be. Will Ron Rivera make sure that Christian McCaffrey's on the field for ninety-five percent of the snaps, type of thing? So that's going to matter, and that's why Rashad Penny was so valuable a couple years ago, even though he was coming out of uh, shoot. I don't even remember San Diego State. San Diego State, exact
2: maybe. He was the exact same yeah. thing, though, like in the sense that like the hype, and I didn't see on the film that he could create on his own. Yep. Dude was running through bus lanes. And you're talking about, um, I don't I don't want to cut you off, Wilde, but no, like go ahead, man. you're talking about mock drafts, man. There are a lot of mocks. And there was um, so I threw it out on Twitter. I was like, for better or worse, like when I watch a lot of DeAndre Swift, I see Kenyon Drake. And there were a lot of people in my mentions about like, can you even imagine because it it's happened in mock drafts, man?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There are a lot of mocks out there that have Swift going to the Dolphins. And if I'm worried about him creating, like there were a lot of people in my mentions, like, I mean, like, can you imagine like a uh, similar younger Kenyon Drake going to a team that didn't utilize Kenyon Drake or the damn, Yeah. But that um, was
1: Adam Gase. I mean, no,
2: we, uh, that's well, even, even this year before he got traded, buddy, like, can you was one balling out before he got traded?
0: Yeah. Flores wasn't using them all that much.
2: Nope. Um, But my no. whole point here is that if I have concerns about if, if Swift ends up somewhere, like even late first, somewhere like with Miami mm. and we know that that offensive line is total trash is there any concerns or do you see different things when you watch him
1: yeah that is going to be tough because like I I did concede that I don't believe that he is the uh sort of grinder that Jonathan I mean Jonathan Taylor would be better on the Dolphins I'll, I will absolutely concede that so if if that ends up being the case it's going to be a conversation that we have to have but the first running back off the board is going to shoot up in in dynasty rookie drafts it's just what happens it happens every year it's happened in the last 10 or so years that I've done this uh Rashad <laughs> Penny was like the the cult following favorite like never understood kind of, that i never got on board with that he was in the background don't. you had the random people like kind of whispering hey i really like rashad penny and then he goes to the seahawks who like run way too much and he blows up so it's It's going to happen, and if DeAndre Swift is going to be that guy, he's probably going to be the 102. Chris just took a 101 in a super flex, so it's going to happen. I'll probably sell him after year one like I usually do, though. So, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor might end up taking that from me, but combine I don't care so much about. But like we said, it's going to come down to draft capital, and draft capital is going to depend on combine. So those two guys are close for me.
2: Yeah, I, I think, think. There's, there's a cemented top five for me of guys that I feel like are going to hit the combine measurables, hit the benchmarks mm-hmm. that I feel like are going to be there. And it's that five guys. I feel like people want to talk about the 2020 class. And for all the depth that I feel like maybe there exists, I haven't dug as deep into other positions um, yet. But, I mean, I feel like this RB class, after five, it falls off a map. I feel like that this is more top heavy yeah. than people are giving it credit. Like – yeah. I think that there's a lot of guys one guy that jumps to mind that is going to get a ton of love and he's he's possibly my Rashad penny like I just I can't get with it man like first time ha- first pass in film like I, I I don't know if I'm gonna buy the Zach Moss hype man oh, I do man I can't dude I can't do it and we can dive into it and I can tell you I I, and, and now before I crap on it tell me why do you love him Alan tell me. Get, I, give it to me, and then I'm just gonna like I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pull out the poo paper, and, okay. and I got you, baby. Okay, so first off, on
0: the so on the top five, or actually just on the Swift conversation in general, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I would say, this is again not a knock or anything like that. And I don't think any of us are knocking like Swift, nope. or, like Derek. I know you're not knocking Swift as like a good running back. The one thing uh, that I I would say that might be like a slight knock in terms of like his inability to create on his own, I would say that Swift is a hell of an athlete. Like he's sure. a better athlete than he is a running back.
2: Dude's he's got a good. spin move from hell.
0: Yeah, like I would say like his yeah. athleticism <laughs> is probably what gets him out of trouble like for the most part. And yeah. you could probably say that for most of the things that we've seen him put down on tape. But then if we were to try again, but then when situation comes into, comes into play, so like we were talking about, like the extreme worst situation and that he winds up in Miami, then, yeah, I think all like not all expectation, but it, it, it takes a huge knock. Versus but, if we were to put any of the other guys that we were just talking about, like you put JT there, I think he'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my thing with Moss is that um, I, I liken Zach Moss to like a bad movie. In that, like, where if you have, if the expectation is set that this is only gonna, this is only gonna be good for like for one reason, okay? So bad (laughs) movies are only good to me because they make me laugh, and Zach Moss is good because he go he goes north south, okay? So if I'm thinking that he's good in that one thing, and he goes to a situation where they just need to do that one thing, right? Then I think he can succeed. If he's drafted too high or somebody looks at like him being, you know, he's a downhill runner and like, you know, all those other, you know, just like those, the the bullshit superlatives that the NFL kicks out and they overdraft him. And now they want him to be like this three down, like workhorse, like type thing. So let's say again, this is like the worst case scenario, but let's say like Ron Rivera, like loses his mind and says, all right, Darius, like you've been hurt too much. Like you can't do it. Bryce, like you've also been hurt. We don't think you can do it. We're just going to start from scratch. And you, you guys aren't my guys anyway. So we're just gonna start from scratch and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you know a, a grinder and I'm just gonna go out and get Zach Moss to be my every down back. Well then it's trash. I mean just it all it all falls apart like right after that. But if a team drafts him with a you know one two you know like, like a, a starter like already in place, first down, second down, but then he comes in to be like that the goal line, third down, like that sort of thing, I could see that. I could see, I could see him complimenting Devin Singletary in Buffalo. I think that would work in that that. situation. I think that could work out perfectly for Zach. I mean, the
2: the situation you're laying out there, I I threw it out on Twitter because the guy that he reminds me of, he he looks like Madison with some extra juice. Like that's what he looks like to me. Like he looks like a uh, grinder guy, solid skill set. I will say, and, and my dude, uh, Ethan Turner did a hell of a lot of work. I know he's, done a lot of work behind the scenes but I got to give him some love because um the one thing I think if we're looking for separators and Zach Moss kind of scares me a little bit his Mm -hmm. injury history man is actually eh, uh, low-key he he missed the senior bowl this year because of an undisclosed injury now a lot of these college injuries and, and this is why I lean on people like Ethan man like they are hard to diagnose, but, like, if you look back through the tea leaves of Moss, 2020, he missed a senior bowl with an undisclosed injury. 2019, mm-hmm. missed a game with an AC joint separation. 2018, he had a, a knee injury, uh, which was never really kind of discussed, but the dude, it did, it did come out that he had surgery. So he had surgery on his knee, so there was a sizable injury. 2018, mm-hmm. he sprained both of his ankles. 2019, 2017, he hurt his shoulder. versus the other running backs in this class i think that we need to get some context like for a guy that's not going to blow people away Mm -hmm. and he's really like the contact balance and the the guy that's going to break the tackles dude's had some injuries like if that's how he runs like there are other concerns there that like i feel like and and i say this like with zach moss and and i I don't want to throw too much hate because like outside of the top Five, I feel like there's a giant tear break for me. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And I feel like he's somewhere in that six, seven range for me right now, probably seven. Um, and with him, I just feel like he's going to get a lot of hype on draft because I've already seen it on Twitter, dude. Like, oh, the, I've the seen it out there. Real. Like, the, the yeah. hype is freaking real. Like, mm-hmm. there are articles all over the place talking about how this dude is like his. His um, total number production. yards and yeah, all, and all, this and all this kind of that, stuff. Yeah. His dominator yeah. ratings and things like that. You, yeah, You came yeah. out of Utah? Like he wasn't yeah. playing anybody. Like he was running behind. If you look even like if you go over to Fantasy Outsiders opportunity rating, Utah was a top five offensive line. Even in line yards, they were top thirty. They were thirty first mm, actually. They
1: typically are.
2: Like mm. they're not. Pl- like I worry that like for, for the like dynasty community. This dude's going to get a lot of love, and I just don't know if he's going to have, one, the capital, and two, the skill set, and the ability to stay healthy to pay off on all that love.
1: Yeah. Chris, you mentioned the Redskins. Man, that off... Now, I've been saying it for two years, so it's going... It obviously could be false, but the offensive line is supposed to be very good for that team. The problem is Trent Williams won't come play, but...
2: Dude, I wonder if he comes a plays for Rivera, man. But the reports
1: I, are saying that one of the first priorities for Ron Rivera was two open lines of communications with Trent Williams. That is huge. Ron yeah. Rivera is, a, is a, an amazing head coach, by the way. Oh, yeah. One of the best in the league. Yeah. I don't – he got canned because of different kind of phil- philosophical things, but
2: they wanted a new start, man. That's all. Yeah, it was. they want I to don't rebuild. new owner. They wanted a new start. They want flash.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I. Up. I do not think that you can have a back like Christian McCaffrey and then go back to hey, just hit the hole. There, that can't happen. So right. let's arrive at this question: Who's the Christian McCaffrey for this offense? Christian McCaffrey is very, very special. There's not going to be he just hey, part. he's mm-hmm. just going to. Right, so here, here's where we're at. Biggest Darius guy's truther in the world. The, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I not think him. he, I think he's phenomenal, but he's about as far from Christian McCaffrey as you could possibly get in a running back. Mm-hmm. He's just, he, he's, you make a a tiny sliver of a hole from him, and he's going to almost literally kill anybody that is anywhere near that hole. And that is not at all what Christian McCaffrey did. So. Chris, you mentioned Darius Geis was not his guy. Bryce Love, oh my goodness, I've been screaming Geis Love 2020 for so long. Like, that would be so fantastic to see those two working in tandem because it would just make sense. Mm-hmm. It makes everything I don't think that... going to happen, man. Everyone that thinks that Darius guys can't catch the ball, which I just think you you can't tell out of LSU. I mean, Leonard Fournette caught, what, like 60 yeah. last year yeah, because they just yeah. don't no, that's the running back. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell that. But either way, he's not Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a top five route runner in the NFL, not for running backs, for the NFL, in my opinion. Right. So you're not going to get that out of anybody on the roster. So that really scares me for having Darius Geis on almost every roster because he's never got a shot so he's because of injuries. He's never gotten to prove himself, and now you have a coach that just came from Christian McCaffrey. You don't think he liked having Christian McCaffrey, the guy that you could get the ball in the red zone almost anywhere and just go score. He's going to be looking for a running back in this class, and I think it really might close the door for Darius Geis, which is very sad. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not outside
0: of the realm of possibility. I'm not
1: saying it's going to be Zach Moss. But right. I don't think it outside, would be Zach Moss. Yeah. I it's think outside it's of the
0: possibility that he sees a guy or one of his new staff sees a guy, right. talks him up. You know, he starts checking off all of those BS boxes mm-hmm. that most of us in the NFL, like just outside of the NFL hate hearing. Grinder does all this other stuff. And then boom, now the Redskins, they have they have a new running back. And now we have to deal with that controversy versus trying to see if Geist is going to yeah. turn into something. We now have to we have to watch and see what's going to be the status of that whole running back room in 2020. And I don't want to do see that.
1: You know what? Well, you know that, who it would like end he, up being, though. It could be Edwards Hilaire. Oh, you just it! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna hit that you would with be that. Perfect. Yeah. that would, yes, I mean, but something. I don't hate that though. That yeah, that would be fine. It, I, with I that. wouldn't either. Because the thing about Damn like, you Edwards- Willie! I
2: was thinking the same
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> Edwards Hilaire has already sh- he's shown some of the things that you would look at Darius Geis and say he lacks, which I don't think he does lack. But mm-hmm. we haven't been able to see it because he hasn't been able to play. I think if he's been able to play games, he would have shown you very quick, like quick and in a hurry, that this guy can do everything and he won't leave the field. And, but he hasn't been able to show it. So since it's not on film and since he wasn't his guy, they're not going to spend an early pick because the team is such trash. So you got to mm-hmm. get a third or a fourth round guy at the earliest if you deem that the position's important. So that's right around where Edwards Teller falls.
2: Yeah. I think I think Edward Telaire is going to be in the sweet spot of third round. Yeah. Um, I'm
0: hoping that's the case.
2: But say he gets picked um, yeah. beforehand. I,
0: I feel like Zach Moss is going to wind up being the, the running back that's overdrafted. Like a team's just going to Short see the wrong long things long. and he's going to wind up being that dude that gets overdrafted.
1: Yeah, no, say but say he's, he's a guy that's right. just gets
2: overdrafted. I will probably have him on no dynasty squads. No. None. Because I like the love on Twitter and if he, Penny if he has draft capital tied, especially tied to him. He's already kind of got the rocket ship of his butt. Like if he has the draft capital, (laughs) you will not. I mean, oh my gosh, dude. Like you will not see like he will continue to just.
1: But to bring it full circle, let's just you take this and you bookmark it and you remember this. But if he gets drafted early, like I've said this whole time, I really don't give a damn. I'm still going to draft him in rookie drafts and I'm still going to sell him after year one because almost all i care about in a rookie draft is restocking my roster it's really hard to hit long term assets in a rookie draft i mean if you got That's dk and one. you got aj brown you did a really good job but it's really hard to get long term assets out of a out of a rookie draft because they just fizzle out some guys do well but don't reach their potential some guys never get back up to the draft capital that they were drafted at by you so i just use them as like replenishing my roster so if zach moss does get drafted early and i'm in a position to take him at a at a pick that's not a an immediate um need for my team like if if we're outside that top five like we just mentioned and we're sitting at running back six well after five i don't think that there's any game changers at the running back position right now if he got good draft capital and i don't believe in him i'll probably still take him if he's in a position to get Uh, production early, and I'm probably going to one of these wide receivers like Chenault that I like a lot. You know, what you're talking about, Will Though, like he doesn't uh, do much because he probably won't.
2: Harkening back to uh, earlier parts of this conversation, I don't think that Moss is going to garner the draft capital because honestly, here's my whole thing with him. I don't think that he does well at the combine. I'm kind of worried about yeah,
1: that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, think I, I think
2: that he is going to be borderline at the combine. I think that you're looking at a ceiling. And this is, I mean, obviously we, we're all just just speculating out here, up in all Twitter right. and stuff. I I think that you're looking at a ceiling. His best case scenario is probably round three. His ceiling. He's not going to go before be, that. Yeah,
1: probably later than that. I would. I think, he's more, like I yeah, think yeah. he's more like a round
2: five guy. I think he's more like a round five guy, and he four, might. Five. Still, mm-hmm. If he if he runs like a mid like four six, and his short area is not good. He did not come from a giant school, and I don't think that people are going to be wowed by him now. Could he be a guy that um, could could the script flip if he goes round five? And is he a guy that you? I just I feel like he's gonna he's garnering so much love on Twitter right now that I feel like he's still going to go in rookie drafts before I'm ever willing to take him. Um, and I just don't think that he's going to garner the draft capital. I really, really don't. Well, um, he's gonna go. So he's going to because he's the, the kind of guy that I would target to put yeah. on the bottom of my dynasty rosters. But I feel like he's going to be too expensive for me to do that.
0: Yeah, he gets like say if he gets like fourth, fifth round draft capital in the NFL, and then he ends up getting drafted by Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it. Well, you know, even more so than that, the Falcons. I I see him yeah. as a fourth round guy that goes to the mm-hmm. Falcons, a team where the where the top is so sexier Quadri in this year? Like <laughs> oh absolutely. Dude, he would every other running back on the roster would immediately go in the trash in the minds of dynasty owners and he would yeah. be the next Daryl Henderson. Yeah. You we need to identify that's fair. That's fair. Just identify yeah. the hype seriously yeah. bookmark that you don't like him like if you have to circle him in highlighter and say don't like this guy you still draft him because he's immediately going to dump everybody behind Devonte freeman to the nether and then the team has their what quarrels with Devonte freeman they don't get a trade partner they can't release him because it's too much dead cap. maybe he plays another year Hurt half the year because that's just what Devontae Freeman does. Then you just found all this value in this guy, and then you're going to trade him because you traded Boston Scotts. You know, you trade your Zach Moss. You get like a second or or late first in 2021 from a guy that you never planned on starting a single time, but somebody sees the situation and thinks they're outsmarting the system. That's how you make a profit. That's how you rejuvenate your roster. You take these guys. Do not draft somebody. Even if you like them more than another person, don't draft somebody that will realistically most likely lose value because all you have to do with those guys is bookmark them, go buy them a year later. Take Josh Jacobs, bookmark Nikhil Harry, go get them a year later. Yep, bingo. Yep, I'm all with that. All right, so with
0: that, I mean, we've been – We've been talking for, gosh, has it been over an hour now? My goodness. Uh, but I think that's it for tonight. I mean, Derek, this is what happens whenever we get together, man. Like, we get together.
2: Yeah, we, had, we had a 30-minute conversation on wide receivers, I think, somewhere in there. Right.
0: right. We had there's <laughs> we had a 30-minute conversation on wide receivers before the mic team went hot. And we wind up going an hour on running backs. And I still feel like there's more to say. But uh, we don't want to keep you up for the rest of the evening, man. And we know Adam's got to get to bed. It's way past his bedtime.
2: <laughs> oh, Will, already got one like, eye in the bed.
0: Yeah, I know. He's ready to go to sleep. Uh, but before we get y'all out of here, man, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, thanks again for coming and sitting down with us. I mean, we appreciate your time. I mean, anytime we can get to kick it you know, and talk about Football life and whatever. I mean, this is just uh, we love it. We can continue doing this all night. But again, Adam's old and he needs to get back. Uh, but before we get you out of here, before we get you out of here, uh, I mean, I know it's the it's, it's essentially the off season for I mean, for you guys over at TQE. Uh, but I know that's going to be some stuff like ramping up. I'm assuming Elliot's going to have some stuff, uh, you know, handed uh, headed your way here soon. But any projects that you guys got going on, like in the, you know, in the can? I mean, let let us know or let the listeners know like what you guys got going on, man.
2: So TQE, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of uh, gearing up and looking at w- what 2020 looks like uh, right now. Um, for uh, myself personally, uh, I'm working. I'm switching all over to Prospect stuff, Dynasty stuff. Um, i've got a few articles some buy articles i'm working on for fantasy uh, data um, so go check me out uh, like on twitter i should be dropping those within the next two weeks i got a, a buy list for running backs the top seven running backs top seven wide receivers coming out for dynasty purposes um so right now yeah it, it's all off season it's all dynasty uh focused content at least for right now and you know as the calendar shifts so does the content flow but Thanks, guys, for having me again. This is always a blast. And you're right, Chris. I mean, dude, we can could, we could sit here and chop it up for for two and a half hours. I mean, we could just oh keep night. it keep it going oh and night. let let, let, let Wilde turn his mic back around to the front and uh, take a nap. Right. And right. Uh, so we ain't got to hear him snore. Right. right. right you can right. just keep chopping yeah. it up for another two hours. But no, yeah, thank y'all for having me. This is a blast always. I really appreciate <laughs> it, man
0: of course of course anytime anytime you got time we'll make time over here for you my friend
1: uh adam before we get out of here i mean we have anything else for uh for the folks absolutely thank you so much for coming Derek. i can't wait to make it four or five and six rounds on the show uh as <laughs> as, as as people i hope know by now because we're gathering a lot of subscribers over there GLF is crushing it on youtube we've got ray over there doing the uh basically like player profiles on on prospects coming out uh we have addison doing the live draft session so they just go through dynasty startups and you can see who some of the best minds in the industry are drafting in different positions then you have chris and i doing the dlf mailbag you can just tweet at myself you can tweet at chris and you can pretty much just ask us mailbag questions and we will try to answer them in video format with the uh with the film you know with the dlf tools and uh it's a great time over there so subscribe to the dlf youtube as far as the show please like rate subscribe review all that good stuff and thanks for coming out
0: absolutely uh i mean so again uh thanks again to derek for coming out tonight uh but so for derek for adam i'm chris Uh, you can find me on twitter at chris allen ffwx we thank y'all for coming out and we'll catch y'all next week
1: the fantasy championship dynasty. hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty o- o- owner's manual it, it, it's automatic the D- dynasty it, it's automatic owner's manual it,
0: it, it's automatic dynasty it's automatic